You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me today to make our week three picks of the week is my co-host, Charlie. And Charlie, I mean, it was not our best week last week. So give me one word, Charlie, at the outset here. You know, if you guys are new to the show, we like to own our bad picks at the start of these picks episodes, and then we'll get into this week's picks. But Charlie, give me one word to describe our week two picks. Embarrassing. I think embarrassing is a great word. That might be the perfect word here. Embarrassing, humiliating. Pathetic, distressing, exasperating, any adjective along those lines would certainly work because they were not great. It really was brutal. Brutal is another word that would work really well here, but it was a brutal week for all of us here. Charlie went three and five. I went three and five. Our Instagram followers went three and five as well. Tough week all around. And to be honest, through the first two weeks, it's been a little bit of a slow start, slower than we would like. And Charlie, I don't want to speak for you. But well, let me ask you, what is your defense of your slow start? How do you explain it? Idiocy. Idiocy? <laughs> I mean, that's always a, a good... Is that even a defense? Just an explanation. That's more of an explanation than a defense. But I feel like a lot of people probably made the same picks. And it was just a bad week. Yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah, we, when you were gambling, like you don't, you have weeks where you, you, don't, you don't come out 500. I did pick Oregon cover. Yeah, you, you were texting me about that when that was your claim to fame last week. You were, you were very excited about that. You were texting me that entire game about Oregon. Like, Oregon's going to cover. Oregon's going to cover. Oregon's going to cover over and over and over again. So, kudos to you on that one. Yeah, um, A&M. Yikes. That, I, I mean, they lost. I, I actually had money on that game. I had money on A&M to win on the money line. And uh, it was a little bit of a parlay. It wasn't just A&M to cover or just A&M just to win on the money line. And that was like the one I had to sweat out. But yeah, I mean, there's context there. The quarterback goes down the first quarter and then Zach Calzada from North Gwinnett actually comes in and um, through most of that game was abysmal. But then he kind of, he turned it on when he had to at the very last second with all right towards the end there. But yeah, I mean, congratulations on your Oregon pick. The other ones, uh, 
Yeah, that whole I picked Texas thing. Although everybody probably did. But Man, see, I'm the I, person I that would have. I so want to go Arkansas. I know. I thought you were going to go with Sam Pittman because you just love Sam Pittman. I'm glad they won, though. I don't care if I lost that. Yeah, I'm glad they won too. Uh, I was. I was really. I really wanted to pick them in that game, but I did not have the guts to do so. Went with Texas and went with the with the chalk there. Did not work out so well. So yeah, it was a tough week all around. Haven't started out great through the first two weeks. But my defense here, Charlie, and I don't want to speak for you, but. For me, the first week or two of the season, it's always tough for me to bet on because we're picking games that involve teams that I haven't seen play. Like I, I actually, I, I did really well the first two weeks in terms of the actual games I put like legitimate cash on. But we're do, doing like these games we're picking here. We have a slate of games. Uh, it's tough for me to actually pick these games when I haven't seen t- all these teams play. That's my defense. It's almost like we're we're picking blind the first couple weeks. Personally, if I've seen a team play, I feel good about making picks that involve that team. Like last week, for example, even though, yeah, my picks on this show, yeah, they sucked last week. Like I said, the games I actually bet on that I actually put money on, I did really well on. I was 4-1 and one in the games that I actually bet on, made a little bit of cash last week. And I have a principle that I just don't really bet on games that involve two teams that I haven't seen play. Like, if there's one team I haven't seen play and I just know it's like a, a lesser team, like let's say a, a group of five team or something like that, then I'm okay with it. Uh, but that's kind of a principle that I, that I generally have. So, for example, I, I had seen both Pitt and Tennessee play. So, I put a good bit of money on that game. I, I picked Pitt to cover, and yeah, it worked out. I won that. I had seen both Kentucky and Missouri play. So, I put down a pretty hefty bet on the Cats to win and won that one. That was my lock of the week last week, or one of my locks of the week last week. But when I'm picking games like Iowa, Iowa State, and I hadn't seen either team play this year, that's just tough for me. You really, you really are. You're just picking blind. But the good thing is, I watch a lot of college football. Charlie actually watches a lot of college football. I, so I kind of spend the entire week catching up on games from the previous Saturday. And as the season goes on, and I get to watch more and more teams play, my picks usually get better and better. So the best is certainly yet to come. At least that's what I'm going with right now. Let's book that. Uh, but right now, we are, all of us, Charlie, myself, and our Instagram followers are sitting at seven and nine against the spread. Remember, you guys can get in on the on the action here, on the picking action. Just follow us on Instagram. It's just at Podcast. And every Wednesday night or Thursday, I put all those games that are on the slate on Instagram. I put them on stories and you guys can vote right there. You can be a part of the show and let us know exactly which teams you are going to pick to win all these games that are on our weekly slate. Uh, now, I will say, like we, the against the spread picks haven't been spectacular. It hasn't been a disaster. We're only two games under 500. It's early. We're going to get over 500. We're going to get rolling here very shortly. But our locks and our upset specials have been pretty good, Charlie. I, I Right now, I'm 3-0 and in my locks, the games that I feel really, really confident in. I'm 2-1 and in upset specials where I'm picking an underdog to win outright. Charlie's 1-1 one one in her locks and 2-2 two and two in upset specials. So we're doing pretty well there. We're going to keep that rolling. But Charlie, are you feeling it this week? Is this the week that we turn things around? We get over 500? I mean, I might. I'm not. That doesn't sound very confident, Charlie. It's not, but it's also really Why? Because you, you just haven't seen all these teams play? Yeah, well, I mean, let's look at this. back over my paper, I just, I don't know. I mean, if you look at this slate this week, you've seen Nebraska play. You've seen Oklahoma play, right? Yeah. You've got something to go off of there. Cincinnati, Indiana, I haven't seen either of those teams play. I've seen Bama play. I've seen Florida play. Michigan State, have not seen them play. 
Um, Auburn, haven't seen them play. Penn State, seen one game. So it's we're still early in the season where we're trying to actually get a feel for all these teams. But I'm feeling good, Charlie. Actually, this is a weird slate, I'll be honest. But I think that I feel pretty good about these, these picks. I think it's going to be a big week. And like I just said, this week's slate of games, guys, it's, it's a little all over the place. We actually had a hard time. We were debating which games to actually put on the slate this week. We've had a smattering of conference games throughout the country the first couple weeks, but conference play still really hasn't started in earnest yet. So we've got some interesting matchups this week that might not normally make our slate, but this week they did. So Charlie, which of those interesting matchups are we going to start with this week? Well, I know you like to make fun of my chronological order, so... I don't make fun of your chronological order. I just, for a while, I didn't know. Like, it just seemed like randomly selected games just thrown about there, strewn about randomly. But now I get it. You're going from 12 o'clock through Pac-12 After Dark. I get yes, it. Yes, that's a way of organizing Yeah, things. it's smart. Makes right. sense. Would you like, rather me do it by conference next time? No, do whatever you want to do. I just I was trying to figure out how you were doing it, and I finally figured it out. I cracked mm. the code. Okay. Well, the Fox Big Noon kickoff delivered in a big way last week with Oregon taking down Ohio State in the horseshoe. And this week's Big Noon kickoff is a revival of a bitter old rivalry as the Nebraska Cornhuskers are traveling to Norman to take on the third-ranked Oklahoma Sooners. Can I just interject something real quick? Sure. Is Cornhusker the greatest mascot name of them all? No. Oh, come on. What's better than that? A badger? Uh, I mean, Golden I Gopher? I Those know. are all great. But... Cornhusker. That's about as unique as it gets. Like the syrup makers here in, in Cairo, in Georgia. Love that. How do you say that again? I, okay. They say, they say they call themselves the syrup makers. Uh-huh. That's, I think that's how they, how they actually pronounce it. Not syrup. I know you would say syrup. I mean, they say syrup. That's fine. It I could just... be wrong. I could, that's how I've heard people from that area say that. So I'm going to roll with it. If someone's from Cairo, you can correct me. I apologize profusely if I got that wrong. But I always think that's an awesome, awesome mascot, awesome nickname. I think Cornhusker is right up there. That's awesome. Okay. Well, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Oklahoma is a massive. Sorry, not Oklahoma. The Cornhuskers are a massive twenty-two point underdog. While Nebraska is Nebraska, I'm not sure what to expect from Oklahoma. They almost lost to Tulane two weeks ago, and probably should have lost. Remember that game? They should have lost that game. No. Well, they well they easily could. I don't know if they should. Have. They could have lost that game. Tulane had a shot late. Okay. Well, the Sooners put up 76 points on Western Carolina on Saturday, and Spencer Rattler may lead the team to do the same against Nebraska this weekend. 76? They're going to put up 76 on Nebraska. No, but I mean like high scoring game. Okay, high scoring affair. Got it. Yeah. I still can't get over Scott Frost, though. I know you can. You, you have not let this go yet. Well, he said that they got thrown off by the schemes that Illinois came out with in Week 0. Like, well, you can't say that. But didn't we get thrown off by the schemes that Clemson came out in Week 1? But did Kirby say that? No, but it doesn't make it less true. Don't we want, Don't we always kill coaches for not being honest? And when yeah, they're honest, then we still kill them? Yeah, you be a problem solver. Yes, you do. And, and that's true. You have to make adjustments. That's part of coaching as well. But that also makes it difficult to do on the fly when you're expecting a certain kind of front, you don't see that. Yeah, you're right. They've got to make adjustments. They got to do a better job of that. But I mean, he wasn't necessarily wrong in what he said. Uh huh. Okay. Well, that's just what's playing. Okay. In your on head, a I loop know. In I my know. head. Yeah. Exactly. So this is a rivalry game. So hopefully, it won't be completely boring since it is on at noon. Yeah. To we, start we, the day. I, I want a good game. Let's go. We need a but good game. But it does have that potential since it is 22 points. 
I know I just said that I can't believe you can't, you, Nebraska did that, but I am going to pick Nebraska to like You completely points. set this up like, okay, Oklahoma's going to murder them. Oklahoma might put up 76 points again. Oh, my God, I can't They're stand Scott Frost. They're not going to put up 76, but I don't know. Nebraska might come out with a fire under their butt. and Under their butt? Well, I mean, trying to keep it PG. Yeah, okay, family show. I got it. We'll go yeah. with that. Okay. Well, you, just, just side note, don't call me a monster on the show. I do listen for quality that control. Was, that was... Oh, and I'm not on. a monster. That was very tongue-in-cheek, Charlie. I'm not a monster. Are you that soft? Are you no, that soft? but I'm not a monster. Tongue-in-cheek, Charlie. Okay. It's a joke. Mm-hmm. Sure. I was just trying to give... Actually, I was really just trying to give you some props and let everyone know that people are leaving all this very positive feedback about what you bring to the show. Okay. If you say so. Don't be soft. What's your Don't pick? be soft. No tears in the show. No crying in football. Uh, all right, so well, you kind of stole my thunder on this one. I thought you would pick Nebraska. I thought you would pick Oklahoma because, well, I mean, you don't like Scott Frost, and you're not a believer in Scott Frost. But look, Oklahoma is clearly the better football team in this matchup. There's no doubt about that. I don't really think Nebraska really has a chance at all to win. I shouldn't say at all. I think they have a very slight chance to win this game. I don't see that really happening. It's honestly, to me, it's not a matter of if Oklahoma will win. It's more so a matter of by how much. I did expect Oklahoma to be a lot better on defense this year. They started to make some strides last year. They had some really good players coming back. And I still believe this is going to be a much better Oklahoma defense than they've had in years past when it's all said and done at the end of the season. But at least in week one, you can't really you can't really measure anything off Western Carolina last week. But in week one against a, like a decent group of five team in Tulane, they gave up a little over 400 yards, 35 points. And that's a two-lane team that had been displaced, guys. Like, they weren't even at home practicing because of Hurricane. Was it Ida, Charlie? Hurricane Ida? Was that what they were dealing with? Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't remember. I think it was Ida. I don't really follow the weather like some people do. I know I, I know, do a better job I of that. I can't remember their names because there are so many storms because of global warming. Oh, we're, we so we're not getting. There are so we're many not getting names, into that. This is not I a global. No, we're not getting track of the name. Okay, so just, let's just say there's a lot of storms. I get it. Yes, Hurricane Ida, I believe, is what it was. Whatever. I'm very passionate about the weather. You typically are, so I'm confused at how you didn't know. I don't have the capacity. Trim- you really to can't remember, remember all the of them. names. No. Okay. But I like to watch the weather. I I, I know that you are. It's weird that you were kind of into the weather. I mean, if you were like. 75, yeah, that's what 75-year-old people do. They're into the weather, but you're not quite there yet. But, yeah, so I still think this Oklahoma defense, although they haven't, they weren't great against Tulane, I still think they're better than, like, the typical Oklahoma defense. They have some disruptive players in the front seven. Nick Benito is a really good pass rusher off the edge. Perrion Winfrey is actually a guy that gives them some pretty good pass rush from the interior of that defensive line. And then offensively, like, we all know that Lincoln Riley, I mean, has the guy ever coached a non-prolific offense? I don't think he ever has in the history of his life. So they're going to be good on offense. They are good on offense. But yes, while they're good on offense, I still I have questions about how they measure up to past Oklahoma offenses. Of course, that's all relative because they put up insanely talented offenses, top five offenses year after year after year. They just turn them out. And they have really good players again this year. They're still really good on offense. But I look at Spencer Rattler. I know we got a lot of Heisman love coming into the season, a lot of hype there. I think he's a good player, but come on, let's not let's make no mistake about it. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Baker Mayfield. I don't even think he's Jalen Hurts, to be honest with you. He's good. I just don't think he's like those kind of guys right now. And they also don't have a C.D. Lamb or a Hollywood Brown right now out wide. I think Marvin Mims and Jaden Hazelwood are good out wide, but they haven't shown me that they are those kind of receivers yet. Maybe they grow into it, but they're not, they haven't shown it yet. And I know everyone had fun pointing and laughing at Nebraska in week one. And I get it. Like they, it was a bad showing. 
but they still should have won that game. They lost that game because of catastrophic plays. Just terribly catastrophic mistakes in that game. Trying to field a punt inside the five-yard line. Trying to get some points before the half. Quarterback fumbles with about 30 seconds to go. The other team picks the ball up. Illinois picks the ball up, runs it back for a touchdown. You can't do those kind of things and win. It's not that Nebraska doesn't have good players. They have some pretty good players. They're not the most talented team in the country. They're not even maybe the top 25 talented teams in the country. But they're still a good team. They have good players, I should say. But they keep making these catastrophic mistakes. And you cannot do that kind of thing. So when I'm looking at Nebraska, like I said, I, 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 I don't think they're like a good team. I just don't think they're terrible either. And I think a lot of people nationally just look at them as kind of like just this joke, this afterthought. I think they're pretty good up front on defense. They have explosive potential on offense. People don't realize this. They're actually leading the country in plays of 30 or more yards right now. So this is a team that does have the potential to put up some points. Oklahoma is going to score on them. Oklahoma is good on offense. Oklahoma is going to win this football game. But I think Nebraska has enough offensively. And I was I saw enough concerns on that Oklahoma defense in week one to think Nebraska has a chance to put up enough points to keep it within three touchdowns. So I think Oklahoma wins this game. I think they win it comfortably. I let's say they win it by 17 to 20 points. I got the Cornhuskers to cover and the continuation of the game of the century. I think it's the anniversary of the game of the century back in, was that 1971, I want to say? So the 50th anniversary. And I know the people in Oklahoma, Joe Castiglione, their AD, was really pissed that this game got put on the big Fox or the big new kickoff on Fox because in his mind, this is a big rivalry. It's a big game. 50th anniversary of the game of the century. This game should be a night game. A lot of attention. And it's like, nah, I'm going to put you on at noon, which I know is where they put the best... Uh, game on the Fox schedule every single week, but I know most teams want those games to be at night. So he was not happy about that, but sucks for them. This game's on at noon. I got Oklahoma to win, but I'm going to take the Huskers to cover the 22. All right. Next up, ESPN is countering Fox's big noon kickoff with an intriguing matchup of their own as the eighth-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats get a rare shot at a Power 5 victory as they head to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. I didn't realize they were ranked eighth. Yeah, they're up to eight. Like now. I looked at the rankings, but it just didn't. They're hit kind me. of just sitting there. They haven't beaten anybody good, but like it's basically it's based off of last year, Charlie. They kind of, it's kind of about where they yeah, finished last year. Yeah, it's too early in the year. I get yeah. it, but I just I just have. Looked Are at they them. the eighth best in the country? No, <laughs> I just briefly looked at it, so it didn't like sink in. Yeah, but rankings don't matter. I kind of scan through them too myself. No. It doesn't matter to me. Well, Indiana got blown out by Iowa in week one, and after that performance, it's difficult to imagine them being able to beat a very good Cincinnati team, even if it is at home. Um, I'm going to go, it's minus four. It is at home. They really sucked so Are you so changing far. your mind on the fly here? I think I'm going to go with Indiana to cover. Shane, because you totally said to pick Cincinnati. You changed your mind on the fly. But... Yeah. Okay. So I'm you're, writing you're just, it down. You just you saw the eight by Cincinnati. You're like you just not you didn't realize they were ranked that high and you're not a believer. Correct. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm picking Indiana to cover. All right. Okay. Cover the four. All right. I got you. I got you there. All right. So for me, when I'm looking at this game, I'll be honest with you. As I said at the outset, this is one of those teams that are one of those games where I haven't seen either team play yet. So I'm kind of flying blind, and this has been the problem through the first two weeks. So I'm picking games that feature teams that I haven't seen play, I mean, what am I basing that on? Okay, you can look at stats, but that only tells you so much. 
But I still think, even though I haven't seen either of these teams play, I feel like I have a pretty good feel for the personnel on both these teams. I watched Indiana play a lot last year. I watched Cincinnati play several games last year. Actually, obviously, since we played in the Peach Bowl, I watched everything they played last year. I had those recorded and watched all those games, getting ready to play them in the Peach Bowl. So I feel like I have a pretty good feel for the personnel. I know it's not the exact same team on either side, but there's a lot of guys returning for both these teams in key positions. And honestly, based off what I've seen from these teams in the past and knowing who's back on the roster this year, even though I haven't seen them play, Cincinnati has the better personnel. And I really don't think it's really all that close, to be perfectly honest. I think they're better on defense pretty clearly. They're better at quarterback. Desmond Ritter is better than Michael Penix. Michael Penix was getting love as like a Dark Horse Heisman candidate coming into the season. And it's like, are you crazy? Did you actually watch them play last year? Desmond Ritter is not like a world beater, but he's certainly more productive, more efficient than Michael Penix has ever been. I think they're better at running back. They may not be better at wide receiver or tight end. Ty Freifogel and Peyton Hendershot are good pass catchers for Indiana. But pretty much everywhere else, I think Cincinnati just has better personnel. And on top of that, this is a massive game for them. They think they're playoff contenders. They think they're that caliber team. Now, you and I might not think that, but they think that. And if they're going to get into the playoff conversation this year and be the first group of five team to crash the playoff party... They got to win this game and they got to win it convincingly. They got two shots against power five teams this year. They've got Indiana this week on the road and also on the road in South Bend against Notre Dame next week. They got to win both those games and they don't necessarily have to destroy Notre Dame because Notre Dame just kind of has that cachet with their name. But when you're playing Indiana, who was kind of a a preseason darling, but doesn't have that traditional cachet, you got to beat them and you got to beat them convincingly. And I think Cincinnati knows that. They are very well aware of that. And look, it's, it's not always a guarantee. Like when a game is that big, you can't, you can't just say, oh yeah, a game is a huge game for them. It means they're going to come out and play really well. Maybe, maybe not. It depends. But I will also say Indiana, clearly, even though I haven't seen them play, isn't what people thought they were coming into the season. I think people are obviously backing off the Indiana hype right now. They were smoking mirrors last year, guys. They really were. They actually, believe, believe it or not, they actually got outgained on the year by their opponents. They went 6-2, and two, but they were outgained by almost 200 yards on the year by their opponents. What that means is there was a major luck factor involved in them going 6-2. and two. I mean, that opening week win over Penn State really should not have been an opening, win, opening week win because... They lost that game. Uh, Michael Penix, that, that he fumbled the football. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's a tough thing uh, to lose a game like that if you're Penn State. But if you're Indiana, you'll take whatever you can get because you're Indiana. But there's a major luck factor involved in their success last year. And you can't count on that replicating itself again this season. And so far through two games, it's been tough. I mean, you, you think that, oh yeah, okay, well, yeah, you got blown out by Iowa. It's a really good team in week one. We come right back against Idaho and you get yourself right. Well, not really. That's not exactly what happened. Yeah, they technically blew out Idaho at the end of the day with the, with the final score, but they still only put up 338 yards of offense and 4.8 yards per play against a freaking FCS team. That's not going to get it done. And you're going to play a really good Cincinnati defense, and you're going to just all of a sudden be magically better on offense? I'm just not buying that. I think Cincinnati is the better team. They're the more talented team. They're the better coach team. And Cincinnati's going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it fairly easily, to be honest with you. Uh, This is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. I have not seen either of these teams play, so I'm picking this blindly, but I'm still going to lock it up. I'm going to lock this game up. I'm that confident Cincinnati over Indiana based off what I've seen from these teams last year and the personnel I know they have returning and just looking at how Indiana has struggled this year. I mean, 338 yards, 4.8 yards per play against Idaho 
That is terrible. So, Charlie, mark it down, book it, lock it up, Cincinnati over Indiana. I forgot I have to do locks again. I tell you these things every week. I know, but I, I don't remember things. I, when I send you a text message, just make a note of who you're locking up. I delete my text messages. I, 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 I need why? to make a note. That's my own fault. Why do I you, just why? like to have a nice, clean list. You just do, So as soon as you get a text message, you delete it? No, usually after a little while. Well, there's like a few people I keep in there. Am I one of those few people? Uh, sometimes it depends. Clearly not. You just said you deleted it. <laughs> wow, okay. See where I am. Fine, whatever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, CBS is kicking off their 2021 SEC coverage with a huge interdivisional matchup. This week with Alabama traveling to the Swamp. We all know Alabama's number one, obviously. It looks like they have reloaded just like they always do. The real question is, who is playing quarterback for Florida this weekend? (laughs) Will uh, Dan Mullen stick with Emory Jones or the young gun Anthony Richardson, who has shined in his limited playing time? We've been hearing rumors all week following the South Florida game about Richardson getting more extended playing time. I guess we'll find out on Saturday at 3.30. So what's the laugh? You're just laughing at Dan Mullen, you see his name, and you just start laughing? Well, I mean, you saw the video last weekend when um, they asked him about quarterbacks. I mean, he's the biggest clown in all of college football. Yeah. That's what he is. I mean, you're right. He's just the gift that keeps on giving. I don't think it's nice to call him a clown. But that's what he is. Well, Charlie, but, he, he brings it on himself. No, no. Right, he's an arrogant, it arrogant. It doesn't seem very no. nice. I, I've said this before. I don't believe I don't I really do not like throwing personal insult, insults out there. I don't like when people insult other people. I don't like, you know, radio hosts when they do that. I I don't believe in that generally speaking. But you're doing it. But I make an exception for Dan Mullen. Okay. He gets under my skin that much and he brings it on himself and he insults everyone else all he he just he pokes and prods and he's just a guy that I think honestly I mean I know it's tough to say he deserves it, but I mean I, Whatever. I'm not even trying to rationalize it. He's just the one guy that gets under my skin, and I make an exception for him. Are you done? I don't really insult him that much. I call him a clown. That's all. That's the only thing I'll say. Clownish behavior. How about that? Yeah, you can say that. Can we use that adjective to describe his behavior? Clownish behavior. Are you done? Clownish behavior. I'm done. Go ahead. After I've sufficiently been lectured by you. I'm not lecturing you. I'm just waiting for you to be done. I'm done. Okay. Clown. 
Well, I'm not sure you can really ever go wrong picking Alabama, so I'm picking Alabama to cover the points, even if it is 14 and a half. Principal Although, I, don't, I feel like it could be more. I feel like they can cover more than that. Are you just not believing in the quarterback play right now at Florida? Yeah. That's a lot of controversy. I mean, Alabama's And I don't know that he can handle that kind of controversy within his program. He might not be the coach of Florida much longer. We might not be able to laugh at him all that much longer. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You don't think he could be a shot at – he has a shot at USC? No. You don't think he would want – this guy every year has his agent put his name out for about every other job. I, I don't think the kid's out there, no. Yeah, I think it would be a horrible hire for USC, but USC hired Clay Helton as their head coach and kept him for, what, six seasons? Okay, well, I just think Florida has too many questions on offense right now. I'm going to move this conversation along. Okay. And Alabama's defense is – You were the one laughing at Dan Mullen, by the way. Not That's not any nicer than me calling him a clown. But I was trying to do it in my head. But you're still thinking it. I'm just saying it. Right, but, you know, the next step is to not think it. I try fine, not to let fine, it out. Fine, fine, Yeah, so. You know, you don't want to try to figure out your offense against Alabama. It's just no. not not a good plan. No, not so, a winning proposition. I'm going with Alabama. Yeah, I think that's a good pick, Charlie. I mean, I don't, I don't want to bury the lead here. Alabama, look, people got a little bit ahead of themselves. I will continue to say that after they destroyed Miami because I think we're seeing right now that Miami might not be all that good. I told you guys, like, maybe a fringe top 25 team, and that's where they are right now. After this week, they might not be ranked. We'll see. But I, I think, obviously, Alabama's good. They're very good. They're one of the best teams in the country. I feel okay saying that. I, but I'm just still not convinced this is a vintage Alabama team. But as Charlie was saying there, Florida is not the team to expose them. I thought a might be in a couple weeks, but after Haynes King went down, after I saw what Zach Calzada, their back at quarterback, looked like, no, I, I, I'm backing off on that. They'll probably still win the SEC West. LSU's a train wreck. A&M's quarterback went down, so it's probably going to be Alabama again. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a vintage Alabama team. I just don't think Florida's the one that's going to expose them this week. I mean, Florida, as Charlie said, is still trying to figure out everything at quarterback. They got two guys, Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson. Emory Jones is getting the lion's share of, of the playing time. But every time that Anthony Richardson gets in, he makes something happen. Well, he's the first quarterback, I don't know how long, that went for 100, 100 yards passing, 150 yards rushing. And I think it was perfect. I think three for three on the day against South Florida. He's just making big time plays every time he gets an opportunity. And it, you, get, you just got to think at some point, you feel like it's going to be really hard to keep that guy off the field, especially when you see Emory Jones just continually missing very easy and routine throws. You can't continue to do that. Emory Jones brings something with his legs, sure. But what did, is that enough to compensate for all the ridiculously easy throws that that guy misses. So I don't know what the quarterback distribution, the playing time distribution is going to be this week. They're both going to play. And that does make it tougher for Alabama to prepare for two different quarterbacks who have similar skill sets, but they're they're still a little bit different. And, and Florida also, on top of that, they're just not dy- as dynamic at wide receiver and tight end as they were last year. And I still very much, no one's talking about this with Florida. I still have major questions about the Florida defense. They were terrible last year. They've been fine through two games, but they haven't been tested by anybody. They haven't played anybody with a pulse yet. I think there are major holes in the secondary. I think Kyrie Elam is really good outside of that in the secondary. I have major questions about what they've got back there. I think there are holes in the middle of that defense as well. They have two good pass rushers in Moon and Zach Carter. And you, I guess you could throw in Brent Cox as well. They have some good pass rushers. But the middle of the defense, I think that there's, it's soft there. I really do. 
Now, Bryce Young is coming into a new environment. This is the first true road game, SEC road environment. And give Florida credit, they have a pretty good home crowd when they actually can sell the place out. And this place will be sold out for this game. So there's a little bit of unknown there with Bryce Young and how he's going to respond in that kind of environment. But for the rest of the team, it's old hat. Alabama's been there. They've done that. And at the end of the day, Bama just, I mean, like Charlie said, they reload. They have a significant talent edge and a significant coaching edge here, regardless of what people say about Dan Mullen. And I know people are going to look at last year's score in the SEC title game and say, well, Florida kept it close last year. But come on, man. Florida is still trying to get it right on offense. This is not the same Florida team from last year. They're still trying to get it right on offense and figure things out. And this Alabama defense is just not the defense to figure it out against. I do not like the hook there, the 14 and a half, but I'm still going to take Alabama. I love Charlie's principal play here. Just take Alabama every week. Honestly, if you just bet on Alabama every single week, at the end of the year, you would come out on top. You might not win every, but you're going to come out on top. So 14 and a half, I don't love the hook, but I just think Alabama is a better team here. I think they probably win this game by 17 to 20 points at least. Well, Our old friend Mel Tucker is leading Michigan State down into South Florida to take on Miami in an interesting ACC Big Ten matchup on ABC. The Canes have looked pretty terrible so far, getting trounced by Alabama and then barely eking one out against Appalachian State last week. It's year two for Mel Tucker's tenure in East Lansing. Can we call that a tenure? I mean, yeah, technically when you get the job, your tenure starts. Yeah. Then the Mel Tucker era... Yeah, the Mel Tucker era, I guess. Vocabulary. There you go. Lesson, people. All right. He's looking for that signature win to kick off his program. Miami is favored by six and a hook at home. Excuse me. Michigan State has been playing well and beat Northwestern by two touchdowns in week one. I know it's Northwestern, but I feel like Mel Tucker's doing a pretty good job with the program. But you hate Mel Tucker. Uh, okay, that's a strong... I think you don't like I how don't he, like that decision. I don't like how he handled leaving Colorado. Yeah, but you could basically say that almost any coach has ever taken another job that he thought was a better job. They kind of all do the exact same thing. I don't know why you hold Mel Tucker to a different standard. I think that one seemed more public. But just because it's more public doesn't mean that he didn't do the exact same thing that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other I have never have heard of anybody saying that they were going to stay with the program and then two days later they did not. Nick Saban? That wasn't a pro I mean, I don't know. NFL, the exact, he kept saying, I'm well, not going see, to... I'm the not NFL. See, but I just don't even care if it's the NFL. I know, the double same thing. I know, I understand. I'm just telling you, I don't like how he handled the situation. So he was supposed to stay at a job they didn't want to be at and they were supposed to... And like, that's not good for anybody. You're right, it's not good for anybody, but I can still not like how he handled the situation. Yes, you can. But it's kind of like a couple that stays together for the kids. That's not a, that's not a healthy situation for anybody. It's going down a long road. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to defend Mel Tucker here. I'm just trying to defend Mel Tucker. I don't think Mel that's Tucker fine. really did anything wrong. I'm picking the Spartans. I just, I don't like the way he handled that situation. Fair enough. And you're, you are welcome to not like it. I, I get it. I respect it. But guys, Miami, get into this game. They are not very good right now. Charlie, I'm actually upset with you for picking Michigan State. A lot of people, when they watched Miami get beat down by Alabama in week one, they were saying, oh, well, it's just a Bama thing. Like, don't read too much into it. Don't overreact. But then they followed up with a very lackluster performance against Appalachian State last week. And now people are saying, oh, well, don't worry about that. Miami's fine. It's just an Alabama hangover. When are we going to stop making excuses for Miami and just admit the reality? They aren't very good. 
Maybe they're just not very good, guys. De'Aaron King is fine. Like, he's still a good quarterback, but he's not completely healthy. Uh, but still, he, has, he hasn't been the problem. He's not the issue. The problem is the offensive line isn't very good, and they have no difference makers on the outside, and really no difference makers in the front seven, which they did last year. And Michigan State is going to come to play. Mel Tucker is going to have that team ready. This is a much bigger game, in my opinion, for Michigan State and where they are as a program right now than it is for Miami. And I do have a lot of respect for Mel Tucker as a football coach. In Michigan State, he's built this team a lot like Kirby Smart initially built our football team in his program. They're built around a strong run game. Kenneth Walker went for 260 on the road at Northwestern in week one. They got a smart game manager at quarterback in Peyton Thorne. And they obviously, with Mel Tucker as a defensive guy, a good physical defense. I think they come out and hit Miami in the mouth in front of the 87 people that are going to be there in Miami Gardens. And I think the Spartans are going to win outright. Charlie, I'm with you on this one. I'm not going to lock it up, but this is my upset special for week three as it is for you. Well, it's not my upset special, and now I'm remembering that I have to have one of those too. But it is, like, Charlie, do you understand the concept of an upset special? You're picking the underdog to not just cover, I mean, to yeah, win outright. I mean, yeah, so sure, it's an upset Ten, special. If you I pick, thought I was going to have to pick, like, okay, I just are, forgot I was going to have to do that and name it, are, so that's fine. Are you picking Michigan State to win the game or just to cover? To cover. Not we're to not, win. We're not okay. picking wins. Right, I, I, I understand, but for the upset special, you're saying an underdog is going to win outright, so it's not an upset special for you. It's not. If you're just picking, picking them to cover. I'm picking well, them to I'm, win. I can pick them to win. Is that what you want? I, there are too many things to remember. This is really not difficult. I need to you're make a checklist. You're picking the games. You are very simply saying, hey, here's the game I'm most confident in, and then you're going to pick a team that's an underdog to win. I mean, I guess that has to be it, looking at the rest of the games I have. All right, homework for next week. Have an upset special, and please That's have a lock of the special. week. That's special. Michigan State, so okay. upset special. You're dropping the ball here, Charlie. Still dropping working the ball. on the lock of the dropping week. Dropping the ball. Still dropping working the ball. on All the right. lock. All right, so can you give us at the end of the week, at the end of the show, your lock of the week? Yeah. You have it ready by then? I got to think it okay. through. All right, think it through. All right. All right, what's the next game? Penn State moved up one slot in the rankings this week and will host Auburn on Saturday at 7.30. Penn State was able to edge out Wisconsin for the win in week one, but let's be honest, they didn't actually look all that great. Wisconsin really helped them out in that game for sure. As for Auburn, I'll admit, they're playing better than I thought they would so far this year. Brian Harson has the Tigers or War Eagles or... Plainsmen, whatever. Whatever they want to be. Ranked number 22 for now. Which is crazy, but okay. Yeah, well, with their cakewalk of an early season schedule, they basically had the luxury of spending all of fall camp in the past few weeks preparing for this road trip to Penn State. Both sides of the ball have looked pretty good in their game so far, but we'll see if they can pass their first real test on Saturday. Do we know? This is a whiteout, right? This is their whiteout. It's okay. Penn State's annual whiteout game. All right, it's a night game. Auburn hasn't been tested yet. They haven't even played in front of like a real crowd since 2019, probably. I mean, they because if you think of the two games they've played this year, they weren't raucous crowds, so they were playing nobodies. Right. Okay. I get so, it. and if this is a whiteout, I yep. mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be intense. Real 7:30. I mean, and Bo Nix is terrible yeah, on the road. Exactly. I, I think the environment's gonna be a little too much, so I'm taking Penn State to cover. Penn State to cover. This might the six. be my lock, but I'm gonna. I'm going to well, keep right. pondering. You've got a couple more games before you have to decide what that final lock is. I, I like your style here, Charlie. I, I really do. My question here at the top of my notes, just one question. Who is Auburn? 
If you look at their stats right now, they're top 10 in total offense and top 10 in total defense right now as we sit here going into week three. Are they legit? Like, are those numbers legit? Or is it a mirage built on the backs of two horrible opponents? Akron, the team they beat in week one, yeah, they destroyed them. But guys, Akron is 1-17 over their last 18 games, and they've won five games over the last three-plus seasons combined. That's nothing. Like That tells us nothing. And yeah, they beat Alabama State. Was it 62 nothing, something like that? Cool. Awesome. Good for you. I'm glad you scored some points. Alabama State, come on, guys. That, they're, they're, that's a bad FCS team. Yeah, they're FCS, but they're not even a good FCS team. So it's just really, really tough to know who Auburn is right now. Are they really that good? Maybe. Maybe they are. But you can't sit here and definitively say yes or no. So it's kind of a mystery right now. And I was also one of these teams I have not seen play. I've not watched Auburn play. I was going to waste my time watching them play Akron. I wasn't going to waste my time watching them play Alabama State. But on the other side, I'm not convinced Penn State is a true contender either. I think Penn State is a good football team. I'm not sure they're a legit national title contender. But they're very good on defense. I think there are still some questions about consistency on offense, especially with Sean Clifford, at quarterback. He can do some good things, but he's just too up and down. So I don't know. Penn State, it's still TBD for me as to whether or not they're a true contender. I think this game will tell us a lot about both of these teams and where they are this season and who they're going to be this year. But Auburn, I'll just say it. They're going to have to make me a believer. I was not high on Auburn. If you listen to our, our preseason predictions episode a couple weeks ago, I made it very clear. I'm not a believer in this Auburn football team. They're going to have to make me a believer. I'm not going to believe in them until they force me to believe in them. And yeah, Bo Nix, guys, yeah, he's having a good start this season. Again, got to consider the level of competition, but he has been much better through two games. You got to give him credit where credit's due, but his road splits throughout his entire career have been flat out crazy bad. Listen to, this, listen to these numbers, guys. So just listen to these numbers real quick. In his career at home, He's thrown 20 touchdowns to one interception, completed 67% of his passes, and averaged 8.5 yards per attempt. On the road or at neutral sites, though, on the other hand, 13 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, 54% completion percentage, 5.5 yards per attempt. He's a totally different quarterback on the road. And while he has played in some tough environments, I don't know if he's ever played in an environment like he will see on Saturday night in State College with the Penn State wideout. Now, Tank Bigsby is awesome. He's one of the best running backs in all of America, but I'm still just not sure they have enough playmakers outside of him on that offense. I do believe ultimately the wideout will prove to be too much for Bo Nix if you're going off his past history. Maybe he's a different quarterback this year. Certainly possible, but I don't know that right now. All I know, there's more evidence to, to suggest to the contrary that he just doesn't get the job done on the road. So I think Penn State wins a low-scoring affair here. I don't believe Penn State's great offensively either. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair, but I got the Nittany Lions to cover the six. Nittany Lions. That's another kind of interesting mascot name. Yeah. Nittany Lions. I'll go with that. Solid. All right. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Well, Sam Howell has been at or near the top of the Heisman conversation all offseason. That hype took a big hit with the opening loss to Virginia Tech. The Tar Heels were even getting some love as a playoff dark horse, but to keep those hopes alive, they now need to beat the rest of their opponents senseless. Pretty much. That's, a, in, that's like, a fair assessment. beat down every weekend. Yes. The Heels are still heel, heel, heels. Heels. Tar Heels. Are still ranked in the top 25, but they are far from those coveted first four spots. You know the Cavaliers have had this date circled on their calendars all year, and they did actually beat UNC in Charlottesville last year. They will come ready to play, but I don't think it will be enough to win. Now, can they cover the spread? Mm, that's the real question. Um, I think this is the week the Tar Heels get it back on track, so I'm going to take the Heels to cover the nine. Tar Heels to cover the nine. All right, Charlie. So, Lock? You're locking it up? Hmm. Lock? Is Charlie going to lock it up? You going to call your shot? It's a night game in Chapel Hill. Night game in Chapel Hill. come back to that all right all right potential potential uh oh uh oh uh i might have to change your mind here so my big question you're heading into this game is so are we just assuming that north carolina just figured things out after after the, the virginia tech loss did their offensive line just magically get better after that loss like two weeks later they're just magically so much better yeah sure they beat up on georgia state who oh by the way lost to army by like five touchdowns in week one so what does that tell us and I look at this Virginia team. Are they as talented as North Carolina up and down their roster? No. They don't recruit at the level North Carolina does under Mac Brown. But Virginia is an extremely well-coached team. They are a veteran team. They have veterans in some key spots across the board. Brennan Armstrong, a quarterback, is putting up massive numbers. I really liked him last year as a first-year starter. I think he's a talented guy, a unique guy. He's a lefty, but he is very, very athletic, very mobile, a true dual-threat quarterback, can push the ball vertically down the field. He's a bigger guy, can run with some physicality as well. Through the first two weeks, he's fifth in the country in passing yards, 744 yards passing through two games, seven touchdowns to one interception. He's also fifth in the country in yards per attempt, 11.1 yards per attempt. So he's pushing them off vertically, hitting big plays. And I just love watching this Virginia offense. It's unique. It's creative. And they, I mean, they, basically what they do in a nutshell is they use the short passing game and the quarterback run game to set up shot plays down the field. And they do a really, Robert and I, their offense coordinator, does a really good job of of scheming those things up and creating those opportunities for them. Now, they're never the most talented team out there. Well, I shouldn't say never. Often in, in ACC matchups, they're not the most talented team on the field, but they still find a way at the very least to stay competitive. Brocko Mendenhall is a really, really good football coach. He's got that program in as good of a spot as they've been in in a long time. So I don't know, man. Like If you look at this, they're, again, a very veteran team. They have a very talented pass rusher on the edge and Noah Taylor. And we know the issues that North Carolina has along that offensive line. If you guys saw the Virginia Tech game, you know, man, they were bad on the offensive line. That's kind of been the case for a couple years, to be honest. Now, Sam Howell is still awesome. I know people had a lot of fun mocking him, making fun of him after that loss to Virginia Tech, saying, oh, this was a Heisman contender. I still think he's a Heisman level quarterback, but he needs some help around him. He needs the playmakers to step up. They're not running the football as well as they did last year. That was a key to what they did offensively. And so I just don't know, as good as he is, 
if they are ever going to be as dynamic this year offensively as they were last year because they're just not running the ball with the same kind of success. And that's really what set up all the success they had in the passing game last year. So I, I honestly... I really want to go with a second upset special and just pick Virginia to win outright in this game on the road at North Carolina. I'm not going to do that, though, because Charlie said it is at night at North Carolina on the road. So that's that's a tough spot to be in. But I think Virginia has a legitimate shot to win this game outright. I could be very wrong here. We'll see. But I like the Who's at the least to cover the nine here. You like the Who's? I like the Who's. The Who's. Okay, well, one more game, and then we'll get to the most important one. So let's go out west for the Pac-12 after dark game with number 19, excuse me, Arizona State going to number 23, BYU. This game starts at 10.15 Eastern time, so... Uh, you will yeah, be asleep. I definitely will well, be Well, you used to be at the, at the Georgia game, right? You used to be at our game, wouldn't you? I mean... Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Hope, Passed out. Not, the, well, set, yeah. Uh, slumped yeah. down to sleep in your, in your seat back. Maybe. 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 Probably. I'll be looking to make it home without passing out. I don't know. Um. Yeah, odds are you won't make it home. Not from drinking. Just like, I don't stay up Oh, late. no. Not from drinking. No, not at all. I don't from stay just, up late, yeah, people. No. It's past my bedtime. Yeah. But I'll watch it on Sunday morning. So both teams are 2-0, and and I think this will be an interesting one to watch. Everyone's expecting BYU to lose. Excuse me. Everyone was expecting BYU to lose to Utah. Yes. Last I would, there was a slightly surprising outcome of that game. I was surprised. Um, but they took the fights to the Utes and won 26-17. But wins like that can take a lot out of you emotionally. And they've probably been riding a high all week, which may hurt them come Saturday. That's a fair so, assessment. Yeah, could be. The Sun Devils have had plenty of time to prepare for this game. And you have to imagine BYU's win over Utah last week caught their attention also. So hopefully they were really... Uh, Focused in on... In the zone this week? In the zone Getting ready for BYU? So this will be the real first test for the Sun Devils. So I'm going to take Arizona State. Also because of Jaden Daniels and his quarterback play. I think that will help them out. I think... I mean, yeah, good quarterback play always helps you out. I know you're going to give a full analysis. So I don't want people to listen to things twice. You don't don't want the show to be four hours. (laughs) Well, I mean, people don't want to listen to... Anything that no, but you're right, Jaden. You're, you're totally right. Jaden Daniels is is the key in this game. I mean, he's, in my opinion, clearly in this game the better quarterback. You look at at Jaron Hall at BYU. He's a really athletic quarterback, a dynamic runner. Honestly, I, I was impressed with his with his legs last week against Utah. But he's erratic as a passer. I've only seen him play one game, but man, there were some very erratic passes coming out of his hand. He is not Zach Wilson. He's a good, solid quarterback, but he is certainly not Zach Wilson. But BYU, they did impress me last week. I, I did not think that they were going to win that game. I had not seen them play, but I knew they lost a lot on that team. And uh, I didn't. I thought Utah would go into Provo and win that football game. I was wrong. BYU came out swinging and they won that football game. They, they really feature a physical run game with Tyler Algier. He's a good, strong power back. But they are kind of banged up on the outside. Gunnar Romney is playing. He's their best receiver, the most talented receiver. But he's not playing much. He's not 100% right now. He's dealing with some, with some injuries, a little banged up. So that certainly impacts the ability to really do anything in the passing game offensively, especially when you got Jaron Hall, who is an erratic passer. And you mentioned him, Charlie. Jaden Daniels is now a third-year starter. But it is 100% the Jaden Daniels show right now for that Arizona State offense. He's the leading rusher and the leading passer through two games for the Sun Devils. To me, this game... 
The fact that it's at BYU makes it more of a, a toss-up for me. If it was at Arizona State, I'd feel more comfortable picking the Sun Devils here. This is another team in Arizona State. I, I've seen BYU play, but Arizona State's another one of those teams that I have not seen play. So it's one of those games that I don't really have a ton of confidence in one way or the other because I just haven't seen both teams play. But I'm a big believer in quarterback play being the difference. Jane Daniels is much better than Jaron Hall at this stage in his career. This could be a, a letdown situation for BYU, as Charlie kind of alluded to. So I'm very tentatively going to take the Sun Devils here based on quarterback play and the fact that BYU is coming off that emotional high and that big win. First win in nine tries against the Utes. So give me the Sun Devils here very tentatively, but let's go with Arizona State. All right. Well, the Dogs have a night game in Sanford this weekend and are hoping to get revenge for an overtime loss to the Gamecocks two years ago. I know you still have nightmares. Why? Why? Why do you bring that up? Have the nightmare stopped yet? No, Charlie. Okay. I don't think about it regularly until people like you bring it up, but do yeah. Do you think the nightmares will stop if we win on Saturday? No, I'll never no. forget that. It no. sucked. It okay. was terrible. Right. Cost a shot in the playoffs. There, well, there are some interesting dynamics due to the coaching staffs also. Will Muschamp was the head coach at South Carolina two years ago, but now he's on the field at Georgia, and, you know, he wants revenge for getting fired by South Carolina last sure. year. fair. But Shane Beamer, the head coach of the Gamecocks, is a former UGA assistant coach. So while I know Kirby wants to win and probably run the score up as much as possible because of what happened two years ago, I still think he'll keep it respectable. Yeah, and we got some revenge last year too, so I don't know how much the revenge factor plays in. South Carolina hasn't shown that they're a great or even good football team this year. Um, I know that's a world-class analysis, but... Yeah, they're not very good. They almost lost to East Carolina last weekend, so enough said. Georgia will win, and what's the point? 31 and a half right now. Oh, I think South Carolina covers. You do not like to take the big favorites. I've no, noticed that about you. I don't think her. Like, I don't. I was surprised we scored as many points last weekend. Considering the quarterback like, situation. We're capable, absolutely. I just thought. I mean, certainly based on what you saw against Clemson, UAB was a good, solid defense. And you're right, Kirby traditionally doesn't try to run the score up. So I, I do see where you're coming from there. So you're saying we're going to win but not cover. We're just not covering the 31 and a half. Correct. All right. 31, I mean, 31 and a half is a lot of points. I, I will certainly give you that. And yeah, Charlie, you're right. We all know what happened back in 2019, the last time the Gamecocks came to Athens. The nightmares are still very real for me. That's one that's just tough to forget, tough to put past you. Because yeah, in my opinion, it did cost us a spot in the cultural playoff. Were we good enough to win the whole thing in 2019? No, probably not. But it's a really, really good thing for your program to be able to say you're in the college football playoff. That gives you some momentum. And hey, once you get in there, who knows what happens. But that was 2019. This is 2021. It's a different Georgia football team. It's a different South Carolina Gamecock football team. And you look at these two teams in this specific game, there is no way that we should lose this game. Now, sure, you could have said that about the 2019 game. There was really no way we should have lost that game. But that kind of fluke is really tough to replicate. So to me, yeah, there's no way we should lose this game. Honestly, there's no way it should be close when you look at the two rosters. There's a massive talent gap between these two football teams. It doesn't mean that South Carolina does not have some good players in spots because they do. They have some five-star players. Will Muschamp recruited very well, especially along the defensive side of the ball. But regardless, there's still a massive talent gap, a depth gap between these two rosters. But the, uh, on the flip side, there are, there are some things that a neutral observer might look at 
that could potentially suggest that South Carolina can not win, but keep it within 31 and a half points. It does look like quarterback Luke Doty is going to play in this week for the first time all season. He was the guy that was going to be their starter all along. He hurt his foot in preseason camp, had to miss the first couple weeks. It looks like he's healthy and ready to go. So what does their offense look like with him at quarterback? This is an entirely new staff, an entirely new scheme they're installing there. So what we've seen on tape through two weeks from the South Carolina offense is very likely not what we're going to see from the South Carolina offense on Saturday night. I imagine it will look very different because Luke Doty has a very different skill set than Zeb Nolan has, who's the guy that's been filling in for Luke Doty to start the season. And, and that's just a tough thing to prepare for an offense that you haven't really exactly seen before. So that's one thing. And the other side of this is what is JT Daniels' status? Is he going to play? If he does play, how healthy is he? We don't know those things. Can our offensive line take a step forward? Because we were not good enough last week on the offensive line. Our run game was not consistent enough. Can our offensive line improve and take a step forward against a really good Gamecock defensive line? How much healthier in general do we get this week? Do we see Don Blaylock, which it sounds like we probably will if all things go well leading up to the game? Kyrus Jackson, is he actually get involved in all, on the offense and just not actually return punts? And this has been a very productive South Carolina defense. Now, they have not played anyone that is any good. They beat up on FCS Eastern Illinois in week one, and then ECU last week really pushed them, and ECU is not very good. So the competition hasn't been great, but regardless, the Carolina defense has been very productive to this point. They're third in the conference and actually fourth nationally right now through two games at 186 yards per game allowed. They're only one spot behind us at number three in the country in yards per play allowed. They're number six in the country in passing yards allowed per game, 22nd in the country in rushing defense, and they're fifth in the country in scoring defense, only giving up eight and a half points a game. But when you put all the pieces together, offense, defense, special teams, this is a South Carolina team that struggled to beat a very bad East Carolina team. Guys, East Carolina as a program has not won more than four games since 2014, and I don't think they're going to surpass that this year. They have been 21-48 and 48 over the past six years and two games this season. They have won a total of eight American Conference games over the past five years combined. And South Carolina had to struggle, had to come from behind. They were down 14-0 to win that game 20-17 late in the fourth quarter against that ECU team. And guess what, guys? We are better than East Carolina. Newsflash. I do believe that Carolina will come out motivated and ready to play. I know a lot of people in the Georgia fan base don't really see them as a rival. I don't care for South Carolina at all. They are way up there for me on my personal hate list. If you're looking at the teams that we play on a, on a pretty regular basis, they are way up there for me. But I don't really think the average rank and file Georgia fan considers South Carolina a rival on the level of Florida or Auburn or even Georgia Tech or maybe even Tennessee. I don't know. I don't think your average Georgia fan really does. But that's not the case for the Gamecock fan base. Obviously, Clemson is their number one rival, but in terms of SEC teams, they look at us as that rival. They they do not like us, guys. They get very excited to play us. They want to beat us. It's a big game for them. It's probably the second biggest game on their schedule every single year. It's really important for them to try to beat us. They look at us in a very different way than I think our fan base at large looks at them. So I do believe that South Carolina will come out motivated and ready to play this game. But ultimately, I just 
don't think that's going to matter. I don't think that's going to be close to enough for them to win this football game. It might be tough sledding for us offensively to start the game because I I do have respect for this South Carolina defense. They have a a bunch of four and five stars up and down. They're, They're too deep on this defense. So don't be shocked, guys. Don't freak out if at the end of the first quarter, this game is closer than you expected it to be because they are good defensively. And if we don't have all of our weapons back on offense, which we're not, we're not going to have Darnell Washington. We have Kyrus and Dom who are cleared to play, but are they ready to go out there and actually make an impact? I don't know if that's the case. JT Daniels might not be playing. Stetson Bennett's dealing with a little bit of, 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 of some back strain issues. So, we're not 100% healthy there. They are good on defense. We have some questions on the offensive line. I have some questions about our offensive line right now. So don't be like completely shocked and start freaking out in the stands and start booing the team if we are not exactly dominating them after the first quarter. But I think as the game moves on, our depth, our talent advantage up and down the roster will eventually take hold, and I think we win this game very, very comfortably. I do think to start the game, if I had to guess right now, I imagine they have a lot of confidence. They should have a lot of confidence in their defensive line because they're very, very good. You got Zach Pickens, you got Kingsley Anikbari, you got Aaron Sterling, you got Jordan Birch. There are some big-time players, some big-time former prospects along that defensive front that will must change recruiting. They're a really good job of stocking that defensive line especially. So I, I would expect them to come out and see if they can stop the run with even numbers first and keep us from hitting those vertical passing shots that we were able to hit against UAB and then kind of go from there. And if they can't, you got to roll safeties down. We'll see how that goes. And that's why I think it's imperative that we were able to find some success on the ground who stay out of third and long. They have some really good pass rushers. You've got Kingsley Anikbari, who was really good last year. He had two sacks last week against ECU. Jordan Strachan come over from Georgia State, led the country in sacks last year at Georgia State. He's transferred over to South Carolina. So they have some good pass rushers. We don't want to give them a chance to pin their ears back and come after our quarterbacks, stay out of those third-long situations. So we have to find a way on early downs to run the football with more success and more consistency than we did last week, even going back to week one against Clemson as well. I also, on the defensive side of the ball, think it's imperative that we are ready to contain Luke Doty and his running ability. Again, it's a really tough task to prepare for an offense that you just haven't seen on tape. Yeah, we've watched South Carolina on tape, but I just don't think the South Carolina offense that we've seen on tape is the Carolina offense that we will see on Saturday if indeed Luke Doty is the guy that gets the start, gets the nod at quarterback. They have a new coordinator, so there's really nothing to work off of from last year. I know Doty played the last couple games of last year, but that was with Mike Bobo. It's not with the, with the staff they've got right now. But despite all of that, I just have not seen anything from this Carolina offense to suggest to me they are going to be able to score enough to win this football game. They're probably going to be pretty one-dimensional if Luke Doty is the same Luke Doty that he was last year. Now, I'm sure he'll probably be slightly improved from last year, but last year he showed no ability whatsoever to be a team with his arm. He's an outstanding athlete. He's absolutely a threat with his legs, but I just right now don't know if this is a two-dimensional offense. I think they can run the football. I'm not sure they can throw the football to be a team like Georgia. But 31 and a half points. I'm with Charlie here. That is a lot of points, man. That's a lot of points. I think we are capable of beating them by 31 and a half points. But with JT's status still up in the air right now and us still not being 100% on offense health-wise, I just feel like that's a lot of points, especially against a good South Carolina defense. I do think we win comfortably, but I'm going to say that we don't cover the 31 and a half 
So I hate to do this two weeks in a row. I was wrong last week against UAB. I would love to be wrong again this week. 31 and a half just seems like a lot of points for me right now with some of the questions that we have offensively combined with the fact that South Carolina does have a good defense. They have questions offensively, but they can play some defense right now. They have some good players on that side of the ball. So I think the dogs win comfortably, but 31 and a half is a little too rich for my blood at this point. So I'll take the Gamecocks to cover. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. If you're coming up to the game this week, I hope you have an awesome time. It's the first big night environment that we've had inside Sanford Stadium between the hedges since, what, November 2019. So it's been a long time coming. I'm very excited about it. Normally, I'm one of those weird guys that doesn't love night games because there's usually a lot of other really good games that are on at night. Like this week, you got Penn State and Auburn on at night. So I have to come back and watch that once I get home uh, on tape delay. But this one I'm excited for because, man, it's the first one. It's the first one in a long time. It's going to be a rocking environment. It's the SEC opener. I'm ready for us to get after it, teed up between the hedges, and get this thing going. But thanks for listening, guys. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week to recap all the happenings from this weekend. Everyone have a great weekend. For Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.